us to turn into our reading today. And our reading is from the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 1 from verse 1 to 13. And this is the word of God. The, pro the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. Their strife and conflict abound. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevail. The wicked hem in the rushes, so the justice is perverted. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am to do something in your days that you will not believe, even if you are told. I am raising the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people, to sweep across the whole earth, to seize dwelling not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fierce than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlongs. Their horses come from afar. They fly like eagles, swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like desert, uh, desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities by building Athen ramps. They capt uh, they captured, uh, that they captured. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on guilty people whose strength is their God. Lord, you are not, you are not, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treasurers? Why are you silent while, they, while, they, while the wicked swallow up those more rushes than themselves? That is the word of God. I want you to say, Thanks be to God. Allow me at this time to invite our Reverend Kasimu Abednego to come and bring the word of God to us. Karibu. Allow me to pray for you, Reverend. Our God and our Father, we want to thank you for your servant. We want to thank you for you have prepared a message for us through him, Lord. As we sit and hear you speak, how I pray that your word will come through, Lord, that each and every one of us will receive that which you have ordained for us today. Would you use him, Lord? Would you give him boldness and clarity? In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 And amen. Good morning, Home Church. Thank you, Reverend Irene. Uh, 
And I know this is the time that the Lord has made for us to rejoice and be glad in, uh, in, the, in the Lord. He has uh, his ways. God has uh, different ways. He has made churches at home where the father has become a priest and where the wife and children are there and people are waking up, going to church, which is just in their sitting room. I thank God for you. Welcome, therefore, to today's sermon, Hard Questions for Tough Questions. Sorry, hard answers for tough questions. And of course, we are looking at um, the cries and the questions of Habakkuk uh, in chapter 1, uh, from verses 1 all the way. Uh, where was God? Where was God when your world fell apart? That's a question that Habakkuk wrestled with about 2,005 years ago. But the truth is, God never explains himself. He rarely gives reasons for what he does. The events that unfold in our world rarely make sense. Why is it me, for example, who must live alone in this life without getting a spouse when everybody else is, has a spouse? And why is it me who must live in tears for half of my life now? Why is it not others and just me alone? Why has God remained silent or even unexplaining in this most confidential part of my life? Why is it only me that has to wait for an answer like this? Why is everybody else looking to be uh, flourishing except me? We therefore are confronted with the basic tenet of Christianity, which is this, that the righteous can only live by faith not by philosophy and reasoning. The righteous shall live by faith. So questions and questions and questions that you are asking, questions that the world is asking about corona, questions that everybody is asking, that we have been asking and we have no answers, but questions are necessary to answer lingering issues such as delayed response, delayed answers, or even community desperations. The problem is that we ask and sometimes we don't even get the answers. Sometimes we go deeper in emotional frustrations, and therefore we risk doubting God or even mocking him. We mock God when we underestimate or question his ability. Sometimes doubting his promise and doubting his, uh, his, his word. Apostle Paul had a very big issue with people who mocked God. In Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 1 to around 7, he admonishes the believer to beware mockers, to identify the spirit of mockery, and also separate themselves from that spirit and those who mock God. He addressed false teachers and philosophers who, due to lack of answers, made misleading assumptions, leading people away from their faith in the eternal God. Peter reminded them that God was the creator of all things, was uh, good all the time, and he was going to judge evil in his time. He cited cases like Noah's flood, that God finally came to punish evil, but in his own time. He has his own calendar. He advises listeners to listen to prophecies of old uh, who told that there is a day of the Lord. He has a day, God has a day, and he has a season. Evil may seem to persist, but God has a day to punish or to judge that evil. Even today, we struggle with sources of our suffering. We're struggling with witchcraft, questions about witchcraft, sometimes family curses, 
corruption by leaders, which is causing a lot of tears. Many calamities that are coming our way, and they cause unaccountable losses and tears. Sometimes we ask, Lord, how long will it take for you to act? Some families even seem to pass through similar patterns of suffering. That my grandmother went through this. My mother went through this. I see myself passing through the same kind of a curse. And I'm wondering why should I even get married and give birth to a, to a daughter? Because probably she will go through the same. And these are very many questions and disturbances. Sometimes calamities follow one after another like they have been uh, sent. They seem to be locusts of pain, uh, and sometimes we ask, Lord, uh, why? We ask tough questions because of tough, situ tough situations we are, we, we, we are living in in our lives, but it's because evil is here. The problem of evil has long been a stumbling block to humanity. We know that God is good, and that he is all-powerful, yet we also know that evil does exist. And a, therefore, this is a problem. A good and loving God would not want evil to exist, isn't it? An all-powerful God would be able to eradicate evil. So, therefore, we come to this, uh, we sense that we are actually left with a contradiction that God must not be all good then. This is philosophical. Or, he must not be well all-powerful. What we fail to realize when we're asking those philosophical questions is that we are also part of the equation of evil. We may be able to envision a world without evil, but we would not be, we would not be in that world. Humans are sinful, first of all, we know, and we are fallen and depraved in nature. This explains why there is evil in the world. Why did God not simply make us so that we would not be sinful? This is the question of a free will. Without free will, we would uh, be God's, you know, puppets. We would not truly love God because he desires that we have a real relationship with him. One that involves a choice here to allow for evil, therefore, to exist. Because the good and holy God is here, evil is here, and man is in the middle. So that we choose, so that we can have a good relationship with him. Therefore, evil is going to be with us. Pain is going to be with us. Questions are going to be with us. We may say that God could still give us free will, while at the same time preventing the consequences of evil. This becomes a question of degrees. We may want God to intervene in the case of murder or rape, for example. But we do not want God to intervene in the case of sin in, in our own idolatry. Somebody once said, and I quote, sin is not graded on a sliding scale. All sin is an offense to God. And it all separates us from him equally, the same measure. A Christian person whose worst sin is that of gossip is just as guilty as an unbeliever who is a serial killer, everyday killing. If God were to intervene and prevent evil, he would have to remove us from this world. You know, that is the idea. Plus, if God were to prevent all the negative consequences of our actions, then would we really have free will? This philosophical reasoning is important in religion and is useful for us, you know, as we express our disappointments with God in times of difficulties. Lest we get to a point of mocking our God in our disappointments, I would like to invite you to listen to Habakkuk's to Habakkuk, who is a very holy questioner. May I suggest that actually Habakkuk is a holy questioner. 
is a holy questioner of God's stand during the reign of evil. We shall dwell on this question for the next several weeks. Therefore, I invite you to follow us under the theme, hard questions for tough, you know, hard answers for tough questions. Today, let us discuss a silent God, which means faith for confusing seasons. We know nothing about the prophet Habakkuk, and we are explicitly told that the time of his, process, uh, his prophecy is, uh, is around the time of, um, of exile. What makes his prophecy unique is that Habakkuk is not preaching to the people uh, the oracles of God. Rather, this book records a dialogue between God and his prophet Habakkuk. Based on his uh, complaints and the res responses from God, it is likely that Habakkuk is having his dialogue with God around uh, 600 uh, years before Christ. Under King jo jo uh, Josiah, the nation of jo uh, jo Judah had undertaken many moral reforms, as some of you would remember. Under uh, Josiah's rule, he purged the nation uh, of the altars of the false gods. The book of the law was found again, and Josiah restored the Passover celebration. However, Josiah dies in battle against Necho, the king of Egypt. Upon Josiah's death, all the reforms of the nation are erased, and sub subsequent kings commit evil in the Lord's sight. With the death of Josiah and the wickedness on the rise, Habakkuk therefore now receives uh, his prophecy and engages in a dialogue with the Lord. It is with the loss of the king who was reforming the nation and the decline of the morality of the nation that Habakkuk engages the Lord in this colloquy, in this dialogue, in this uh, discussion. So Habakkuk's questions to God were like this. We know that most of other uh, prophets spoke to the people for God. They were speaking to people for God, that God has said. But Habakkuk spoke to God for the people. He lived in times that were very harsh on faith. He saw the righteous suffering and the wicked prospering. He asked God the two questions we often ask. Why and how long? Why and how long? Why are these things happening? How long will it be before they are rectified? Notice the two questions center on how long and why. How long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? How long shall I cry to you, Lord? Violence and you will not save. Then Habakkuk goes on to say to the, to the why questions. Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at a wrong? Why, God? Habakkuk has been praying for his people and for the morality of the nation, but it seems that nothing is happening. Don't forget that these are supposed to be the people of God, the Israelites. This is not just a worldly lot here. Yet, they are acting like it. These people are supposed to be the holy people of God and filled with violence, sins, and injustice. No. Habakkuk says, all that I see is destruction. All that I see is violence. It is strife and contention. There is no justice. The law is already paralyzed. The righteous are surrounded by the wicked. Everything is perverted. Habakkuk's, Habakkuk's cry is simply, what is going on around here? How long are you going to continue to let this go on, O oh Lord? Why is nothing being done? God, how can you idly sit by and let these things happen? Oh, I love. I love the honesty of Habakkuk with God. But then the consoling thing is that God is a listening God. He hears even the foolish, the apparently foolish questions. He listens. He hears. He has ears. 
he listens to us. So let us look quickly at the problem of evil from verse 1 to verse 4, Habakkuk chapter 1. And this is the questioning the Lord's, questioning the Lord's silence. Habakkuk had a burden about divine providence. He is disappointed that the Chaldeans who are evil continue to thrive while the righteous suffer. And this is something that we struggle with every day. Sometimes they, they, they were laughed at. God seems to be inactive, silent, and apparently unconcerned. Chaldeans were very violent people, lawless and proud. You remember, Lot? They are actually the Lot that disturbed and, and tortured Job. They were thieves. They were cattle wrestlers. They were very violent people. They caused a lot of pain to Job. They are causing a lot of pain to, to, to Israelites. So these things, that, there are some things that Habakkuk is looking for, which I believe we can identify with. Number one, he says, God, why are you silent? In other words, when I hear, when I cry, God, hear. This is what we desire. Every time we are crying, God, hear. The other thing is that save me from my enemies when I cry. Everybody, you are seated there. You're going through your situation that we don't know. You are saying, God, hear me when I cry. God, save me from my enemies when I cry. I want to be heard. I want to be saved from my enemies. God, why are you inactive? Why is it that my enemies continue to torture me? Why have I become a man of sorrows all the time and they laugh at me? Another thing that he wanted is that God, act with speed. Act with speed because they are laughing at me. Act with speed, Lord, and give me a job because I'm getting married on t uh, uh, in February next year. Corona has struck. If I don't get a job, what will I do? How will I feed my family? God, act with speed because I am supposed to get a visa and start my education. But Lord, if you don't provide this, what will happen? Act with speed. The other thing that he was struggling with, God tame evil because it's encroaching too much. Evil people often take our space and seem to flourish and blossom. Actually, that is true. Evil people take our space. They grab our space. They run with it. Many times, they occupy the space. They suffocate. Evil suffocates us. That was a big problem of Habakkuk, and it is to us today. But then, when we come to verses four, uh, 5 to 11, I summarize. This is a strange answer from God. A very hard answer from God. We were expecting him to answer his wonderful child, his wonderful prophet. He is the one who has given him the vision, of course. So why should he answer in this very strange way? Listen, God said, I am providing a harsh answer to these tough questions. And he says that God will work so quickly, I will work so quickly and so marvelously that it will be difficult for you, Habakkuk, to believe. I will answer, I will act very quickly, very marvelously, that you will not even believe. God will use a heathen nation, the Chaldeans, to bring the chastisement upon his people. Look at this. God, I have been reporting to you these Chaldeans and Babylonians. They are evil. I've been telling you about us, and you are telling me that you are going to use the evil to, to, to cleanse us. Those of God's children who are living in sin will, will, will expect their punishment to come through a heathen nation sometimes. God can use whoever and whatever he wants to. He will use his way. 
He will do it in his own time. This was too hard for Habakkuk. It's too hard for us. An evil judge can send you to prison in order that he opens a big door for you. An evil person will do that. He will send you to prison and you have been doing casual jobs in Nairobi and you do not know what to do, then you get a very small problem. You go to prison. You get very nice skills in prison. When you come out, you are a professional. You never know which route the Lord will come for you. God uses an evil corrupt boss to send you out of your job so that you engage in a journey that leads you to the next level. Because I lost a job, someone... Someone came up with a story. I lost my job. I resigned the frustrations. When I went to the next station, I found my wife. And that's how I enjoy this life. Because God has his own many ways. And I'm not the only person who has a testimony like that. God has his ways. At the time they attacked Judah, they have become very powerful, these people. They, are, they seem to be uh, no one who could stop them. They, they, will not have a, they will not be aware that God actually sends them to attack Judah. They thought they were very powerful. He talks about evening wolves because he talks about when Chaldeans attack uh, Judah, then Babylonians will come to eat from the spoils. He talks about very many things here that I see. God said, this is what will happen. They will stumble upon you. In fact, Chaldeans will punish you. That is not enough. Even the, 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 the Babylonians will come. In his power, he talks about his power unto his God. Through the, though the Chaldeans were God's instruments of judgment, their self-sufficiency, the self-sufficiency of the Chaldeans and the self-adulation planted the seeds for their own destruction as they stood guilty of idolatry and blasphemy before the sovereign Lord. Therefore, God is saying, I am in control. Your torturer should not celebrate. Your enemies should not celebrate. They should not celebrate at all because, and because I am in control. I am the person who is in control. And you should also not deceive yourselves that I am silent. This is a very big lesson as we get out of there. That when you are suffering, when you are asking yourself questions, you are torturous, your enemies should not celebrate. They think that they are flourishing. They think they are stronger than you. No, little do they know that it is God who has allowed them. In fact, although the pain is there, it is coming for my own good. Although the suffering is there, it's coming for my own good. They are celebrating. Foolish they are. But you also need not to deceive yourself that God is silent. I am not silent. I am actually at work. And then he goes to ask, but God, then why? He questions the will of God. A hard answer is working. Habakkuk gets some sense here. He remembers who God is and now asks a holy question. May we begin to ask questions in a holy manner, my dear listener, my dear viewer. The prophet who started with a tear or a sob seems now to end with a song. And the song, in this song, he remembers who God is. He describes his attributes. He says, you are from everlasting to everlasting. He seems to remember Psalms chapter 90 verse 2. He is the rock. He is his rock, the unchanging constant, always deserving his complete and exclusive devotion. Now I get it loud. Except, teach me, Lord, your will. How can you Pure and holy God, use sinners to chasten the righteous. How can God use corona to cleanse his world of careless living? Force churches so that you can close churches. So that you can also close 
because there has been too much mixture, too much confusion. God, how come so that it can repair families that have become beyond repair? How can God do this? Then the only thing we can say is that, dear Lord, now I get it. My concern is, can I understand your will? Help me to understand your wisdom. This is where I leave you. Next Sunday, follow us as we go to chapter 2. How God gives Habakkuk a vision. Probably a vision for you. In conclusion, we might have to ask even tougher questions in this life. But may we learn to ask wisely. God doesn't explain himself. He rarely gives reasons. The events that unfold in our world rarely make sense. The righteous can only live by faith, not by philosophy and reasoning. But we know that he is a righteous God, all-powerful God. Whatever is happening to his beloved is for your own good. Lord, teach us to say yes to your will. If we don't get it, Lord, may you whisper sweet peace to us. You know our hearts. You know our tears. You know our questions. Lord, I pray that even if these answers are not clear to us, Lord, whisper sweet peace. Even when we are crying, when we are confused, Lord, whisper sweet peace. Sweet, whisper sweet peace and give us the grace because at the end, you are overcoming for us. Syria machozi yangu. There is a Swahili song we sing here. Syria machozi yangu ni wewe. Wajua. And I would like you to join me from your sitting room, wherever you are. Just sing with me. And if you can stand up or you raise up your hand, I'm just about to pray for you as we sing this song together. Syria machozi yangu ni wewe. Yes, Lord, I dedicate this message, this encouragement to you, dear Lord. I dedicate this because it comes from you. And dear Lord, I speak life into the listener. Dear Lord, those questions that are many and confusing, those questions that have no answers, that you can only answer with tough answers. Lord, I dedicate them to you. And I commend those questions to you. The Lord, you take care of them. One thing we know is that you are doing well. But Father, there is suffering and tear. How I pray that you may whisper sweet peace. I can only pray for peace in the situation of my viewer this, uh, this morning, this afternoon. I pray the Lord, uh, you may be there for us. I pray the Lord, you may wipe up our tears and give us confidence to trust upon you, to wait upon you because you understand every tear. 
you even have a bottle for every tear. I know that you know how much we have cried, but I pray that, Father, you may lift this believer into your own grace. And, Father, carry us, cause us not to uh, mock you, cause us, Father, not to drift away from your faith. We will never give up. We will continue hanging on around there because you are good. And therefore, Father, every spirit of frustration that does not come from your permission, I command it. I command it out in the name of Jesus Christ. I command it to desist from its maneuver in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, we speak peace and joy and courage and faith and encouragement in the name of God who is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. May the Lord bless you. Follow us next Sunday in chapter 2 of Habakkuk. It is well with you in Jesus' name. Now I want to invite you to just stand, kindly stand wherever you are for the blessings um, and just open your arms up to the Lord, raise them to the Lord as we ask the Lord uh, to bless us. Our God and our Father, we want to thank you for our service today. We want to thank you for your presence, Lord, uh, for your word that has come to us today, Lord. Father, as we just go through the week digesting that which you've said to us today, Lord, I pray that let your Holy Spirit continue to walk in us, oh Lord. And Father, we want to pray for your blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. May the Lord be gracious to you and the Lord turn his face towards you. In the name of God, who is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Amen. Amen.